Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. that came out a day or two ago, over the weekend, of cover songs that are actually better than the original. And that is one of my favorite subjects to explore. This song was number two. Um, there's one one song that was number one. Maybe we'll play it a little later. But this is All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix. So we are seeing alarming rates of cancer spiking among young people. Now, if someone is 80, 85 years old and they come down with cancer, it's sad, but it's really not tragic. If someone's 23 years old, 21 years old, and they get a serious cancer diagnosis, something like uh, breast cancer or uh, some sort of a cancer which we don't think of as affecting people in their early 20s, That's a tragedy, and it's also worthy of exploration. Explore is precisely what Annika Necklesen has been doing. Uh, She is an associate editor in The Hill, and she has a terrific, terrific exploration of this subject. Annika, thanks so much for staying up late with us on the radio. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Annika, give uh, give folks an idea of what inspired your interest in in exploring this specific story of uh, young people getting cancer? Sure. So I actually had my own experience with cancer last year. I uh, I was 27 and I went to the dermatologist for the first time in my entire life, not thinking that anything was wrong, just going for a routine check. And then I ended up being diagnosed with melanoma. And I was really lucky and just happened to catch it early. So it was easy to remove. But the experience really made me realize even though I had an extensive family history of cancer and even a history of skin cancer in my family, how little I actually knew about the disease, what was going on with it, and what I should 
look for or what was actually happening when you get cancer. And so it caused me to look into the subject more. And one of the things I found was this rise in cancer among young people. Wow. Now, uh, cancer does, though, it does generally affect people older than than you had it when you were when you got your cancer got diagnosed. And I'm certainly glad you're doing well. Right. I mean, what uh, what percentage of, say, people over the age of 65 are make up the population of cancer patients in this country? Yes, it is definitely more common later in life. So it's about um, 60% of people who are diagnosed with cancer in the U.S. right now are uh, are 65 or older. Okay, but you started to look at you not only your own situation, but some of the other stories that you chronicled. What statistically are we seeing about young people getting cancer? Yeah, so cancer, a number of different kinds of cancer have actually been increasing in people under 50 and particularly people between the ages of 15 and 39, which is what cancer researchers refer to as adolescents and young adults. And this has been happening since the 1990s in countries around the world. In the U.S., overall, the rate of cancer of early onset cases has increased about 18 percent between 2000 and 2019. Now, the thing that's so interesting about that is some people may think, all right, well, maybe it's the environment, maybe it's the horrible food, maybe it's the fact that everybody is uh, is smoking like crazy. You write that e- e- during that period of time when there's been an 18% increase among people getting cancer between the ages of 15 and 39, cancer has been declining in older adults in that period. So these two population groups are going in in opposite directions. Yes, it has slightly declined among older adults at the same time. And so in some cases, um, notably with colorectal cancer, actually, which has increased about 45% in that period among 15 to 39-year-olds, now some of them have shifted younger in that time. You alluded to the fact that uh, you were lucky enough to catch your cancer early because you happen to go to the dermatologist. A lot of times when we look at, oh, what's causing the uptick in cases of any sort of disease that we are talking about or any sort of condition we're talking about, a lot of times, sometimes it comes down to better diagnoses and better detection. Is there any chance that a, a big chunk of this young people getting cancer is a reflection of better diagnoses of young people having cancer? They do think that um, researchers do believe that uptake of like early detection and screening is part of the increase. It's hard to say exactly what percentage of the percentage that makes up or how responsible it is. They don't believe that it's responsible for the entire increase. However, One of the things that uh, people always look at is trends in certain groups. Are there any sort of ethnic trends, gender trends, or trends in types of cancer that people are getting, young people specifically? Yes, there are definitely certain types of cancer that this is being seen in more than others. Like I said, colorectal Mm -hmm. cancer is a big one that people are seeing, other um, gastrointestinal cancers. Um, breast cancer has been rising, uterine cancer, some cancers affecting the blood and bone marrow. Um, this is happening, sort of, it's happening across genders and across racial groups, although certain cancers are affecting certain groups more, like colorectal cancer does impact black people, for instance, more often. 
I, I guess this is the most important question that I'll ask, and it's one that very early on in your your piece in The Hill, you make clear that there's not necessarily an answer for, and that's why. Why do we think cancer rates are going up so precipitously in a group that should be the healthiest aspect of our polit- of our population? Yeah, so like I said, it is believed to be partly that people are getting more screened more, but um, that doesn't account for all of it. And researchers believe that it has to do with um, a number of different environmental and lifestyle changes that have taken place since the mid-20th century. So a big one that they point to is obesity, which has been increasing since the 1960s and has become more common early in life, but also changes in our diets. Um, we're living more sedentary lifestyles, so getting less physical activity. There are a number of other factors. One of them that I was also pointed toward was that we're getting more x-rays and CT scans, which expose us to low levels of carcinogenic radiation, and the list goes on. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, and if people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Anna Necklison. She's uh, an associate editor at The Hill has a very interesting exploration of this issue of cancer in patients younger than 39, which is very frightening. Now, what you say about obesity makes perfect sense, and I don't think it would come as a surprise to anybody that has looked at the trends in obesity in young people over the years. And um, it's very interesting to me that you that you mention the increase in things like CT scans and x-rays. Is there really um, a theory that the increased use of x-rays and CT scans among young people could actually be exposing patients to carcinogenic radiation? Yeah, that is one of the theories, um, especially in terms of this increase in blood and uh, bone marrow-related cancers, just that, you know, these scans do expose us to a certain level of this radiation, although it's very low, but just because we're getting so many of these scans and getting them early in life in many cases, that that could be playing a role. But it's one of many factors that they believe may be involved. You also cite a, you quote an instructor at Harvard Medical School who mentions that part of the uptick in testicular cancer among young people could be due to rising cannabis use. Uh, this professor actually says it could be the leading culprit, which I think may cause a lot of parents to wake up from uh, their sleep if they happen to be listening to us while they're asleep and uh, wake up in a cold sweat and take note. I mean, that's pretty frightening, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of these things are frightening just thinking about how many things we do can expose us to higher risk of cancer. And my understanding is that there has been research that has linked uh, regular cannabis use to an increase in risk for testicular cancer. Mm. Mm. No, it's uh, it's very wild. Are there any differences generally with how a young person, say a 24-year-old, is treated when they get cancer versus, say, a 70-year-old? Any differences in uh, surgery versus chemo or radiation? Or does everybody get treated pretty much the same way if they have the same ailment? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I was interested to find when reporting on this piece was that the experience is pretty different for these younger people who are being diagnosed with cancer. Um, One of the reasons is just that a lot of them are actually diagnosed later than people who, you know, are diagnosed later in life. And that can lead to these younger people being diagnosed when their cancer is already more advanced, partially because they go to the doctor less often and because there is less awareness in this age group that both among young people themselves and among doctors, that if they have symptoms, they might be cancer. But it is also considered an underrepresented and underserved population when it comes to cancer research and cancer care. And so there is less um, clinical research done into treatments specifically regarding this age group. And there are maybe less tailored treatments. And so that is an area that's developing right now. But it is considered sort of a a group that hasn't been looked at as much as it should when it comes to these things. One of the one of the things that obviously every cancer patient or family of a cancer patient needs to worry about is treatment and how to pay for that. Now, if you're older, chances are there's a good a good chance that Medicare is paying for a big portion of your cancer treatment. How have young people who obviously aren't on Medicare, how have they been dealing with some of the challenges in paying for these treatments when they may be on a private insurance plan, maybe their parents' insurance plan, which may not offer the full umbrella of coverage that Medicare does? Yeah, this is absolutely a problem that young people run into. So it is a group that is less likely to be insured and also just less likely to have a lot of um, savings or funding, even salaries are lower for people in their 20s than for people in their 50s or their 60s. And like you said, they don't have Medicare. And so actually, I was told that a a number of young cancer survivors end up having financial difficulties, having to take out loans, Mm. even having to declare bankruptcy. I spoke to a woman who was diagnosed with stage one breast cancer when she was 26. And she told me that she had to take out a loan to pay for fertility treatment so that she would be able to preserve her ability to have children after having chemotherapy. And for the chemotherapy that she went through, she had to pay $15,000 for each cycle of chemotherapy. And she went through four different cycles of it. And she had to pay $100,000 for a separate treatment, proton radiation. And so those bills really add up for people. And when you're 25 or even 35, that can be debilitating and prohibitive for getting access to these treatments for some people. And if people just tune in, we're talking with uh, Annika Necklison. I'm going to link to her article in The Hill if you want to give it a read. Uh, It's going to be on uh, my Facebook page, facebook.com slash MoranoFan, facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O-Fan. One thing that I'm curious that you can answer, but also I'm sure some of the people that you spoke to in terms of young cancer patients can offer a even broader perspective on, 
is what it might be like dealing with a cancer diagnosis emotionally in your 20s or at a young age as compared to in your 60s and 70s. I mean, I would think, never having had to deal with this, thankfully, I would think that if you're in a stage in life, your 60s or your 70s, where you've already had children, maybe you're retired, you have grandchildren, the prospect of mortality is not necessarily as immediately life-alteringly frightening to you as it would be when you're 22, 23 years old and you feel as if you have your whole life ahead of you. What is this like for people emotionally? I definitely think it's a real shock emotionally to get that kind of diagnosis when you're in your 20s and it just isn't so much on your radar that you could be confronting, you know, a, a disease that could kill you at that age. I had these conversations with two women who were diagnosed with breast cancer in their 20s. And even beyond mortality, I think it it was just very difficult to grapple with things like having to think about fertility when you're 24 or 26 and suddenly having to confront the sense that you might not be able to have children or that you might not have control over having children in the same way that you thought you were going to. And also having to kind of leave aspects of your life and behind just as you were starting to form this foundation to adulthood. So having to step away from a job that you love in order to undergo treatment and having to deal with that in young relationships that you're having when you're in your twenties. I do think that it's, it's a very difficult experience to go through and uh, not one that many people have to go through luckily, but can be just really disruptive to your experience of life at that age. This this may seem a little offbeat, a little controversial, but I'm sure I'm going to get the question from listeners after we hang up. So I'm just going to ask you, one of the things that every older person, and when I say older person, that could be a millennial, that could be Generation X, that could be a baby boomer, even older. One of the things that every older person complains about, about almost every young person they encounter is they constantly seem to be doing something on a mobile phone, playing a game, talking on it, making videos, messaging someone. There was a thought years ago that some of these mobile phones may play a role in tumor formation. Did anyone that you spoke to indicate that increased mobile phone usage of young people these days might be playing a role in the increase in cancer diagnosis? This wasn't something that people that I spoke to brought up as a potential cause, but uh, I I can say that I have heard that there has been some research linking um, cell phones to radiation into cancer. Well, it's uh, very interesting. Any advice for any young folks that are listening or any parents or grandparents of young folks that are listening? I mean, obviously, to not be obese is always good advice for people of any age and to, you know, eat good foods that don't include a lot of processed foods and other carcinogens. That's always good advice. But beyond that, is there anything that you'd suggest to someone so they not become a part of this uh, uptick in cancer for young people? Yeah, so I think, you know, there's at this point, we don't entirely know what's causing this increase in cancer. And there are so many things, nuanced things that contribute to us getting cancer that it's difficult to say that there's something you can do to just completely save yourself from the worry of it. But I think 
a big thing that I heard from researchers and then my own experience definitely has made me an advocate for is just more awareness. I think often we think of cancer as sort of this abstract, terrifying thing, but we don't understand what it actually is or how it actually shows up in our lives and what cancers we should be worried about at which ages and what screenings we should be going to and what factors could contribute to it and what it looks like when it shows up. For me, I, I had no idea before I went to the dermatologist that, uh, that my, my mole being two different colors ended up being the warning sign for my melanoma that my dermatologist caught and I had no idea. And so I think there is a lot of information out there about these things that could contribute to our cancer risk and the warning signs and the screenings that we should be going to at certain ages. And I think that that's something that we should all be more aware of. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely good advice. Anna Nicholson, a terrific piece. I appreciate you staying up late to chat with us on the radio. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. If you want to read the article, uh, you can check it out on my Facebook page right now, facebook.com slash MoranoFan. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you can give me a call at 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. 